The Testimony of Jacob. This uh, meeting is being delivered in rather strange circumstances due to the coronavirus, COVID-19. And so I'm just going to record it here. Normally we would probably have read Hosea 12 first. Um, but in place of that, I'm just going to read the first six verses now. Hosea 12. Ephraim feedeth on wind, and followeth after the east wind. He daily increaseth lies and desolation, and they do make a covenant with the Assyrians, and oil is carried into Egypt. The Lord hath also a controversy with Judah, and will punish Jacob according to his ways. According to his doings will he recompense him. He took his brother by the heel in the womb, and by his strength he had power with God. Yea, he had power over the angel and prevailed. He wept and made supplication unto him. He found him in Bethel, and there he spake with us. Even the Lord God of hosts, the Lord is his memorial. Therefore turn thou to thy God. Keep mercy and judgment, and wait on thy God continually. The title of the series is By the Mouth of All the Prophets. Back in January I asked at school what a prophet was and I got the uh, perhaps rather surprising answer that the prophets were those that spoke of the coming of Jesus. As I'd been thinking about Jonah at the time that was a rather surprising answer because Jonah doesn't really testify of Jesus at all. And then I came to the meeting here and realised that actually Jesus speaks very specifically that the life of Jonah was itself a testimony of him. And so as we look into uh, the testimony of Jacob, we shall look at some of the uh, types of his life as they speak to us of our Lord we shall then think more specifically about his prophecy and then we shall think of the witness of the other prophets regarding Jacob. Jacob, the, main, the name means one who catches the heel. That's literally what supplants means. And we've seen that that was the case as he was born. The English word supplant comes from the Latin to stand in the place of, and the planto is the sole of the foot, so a very similar meaning. The passage that we have read is extraordinary. We read in verse 3 that by his strength he had power with God. That literally means he prevailed as a prince. And then in verse 4, Yea, he had power over the angel. A different word this time, meaning to vanquish or to rule. And then, and prevailed. So he had ability and overcame. Three different terms. By his strength he had power with God, yea, he had power over the angel and prevailed. 
these are terms that we would never think of using about a man and yet God uses them through his prophet Hosea to speak of this extraordinary man and it starts with an extraordinary birth. We read that Rachel was barren, uh, so Rebecca was barren and uh, Isaac prayed and that was the means of this double birth. It reminds us of the birth of John the Baptist, the precursor of Christ, via Elizabeth. But also there in Luke 1, as the angel came to announce to Mary an even more remarkable birth, the message is given, Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob for ever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. In verse 3, we read that he took his brother by the heel in the womb, and by his strength he had power with God. So, uh, this uh, supplanting is seen too in the matter of the birthright. You'll remember that um, when Jacob sod pottage, we read, and Esau came from the field, and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. And therefore was his name called Edom. Well, Jacob did that. He gave him bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink, and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. And the wonderful thing is that we see that Jacob is concerned for it. He didn't go about it in the right way. Uh, we realise that and any more than he did with the blessing. And of course, as uh, Esau speaks after the, uh, the disaster, as far as he's concerned, um, to Isaac, he says, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he hath supplanted me these two times. He hath taken away my birthright, and behold, now he hath taken away my blessing. And he said, Hast thou not reserved a blessing for me? Well, the blessing that Isaac gave to Jacob, having been suspicious of him, of course, uh, we read in Chapter 27 and verse 27 of Genesis. And he, Jacob, came near and kissed him. And he smelled the smell of his raiment and blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field which the Lord hath blessed. Therefore God give thee of the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of corn and wine. 
Let people serve thee, and nations bow down to thee. Be Lord over thy brethren, and let thy mother's son bow down, sons bow down to thee. Cursed be every one that curseth thee, and blessed be he that blesseth thee. And when um, Esau comes in, Isaac is very emphatic. Um, I have blessed him, yea, and he shall be blessed. And uh, this blessing, the goodness of it, and the, uh, the fact that there are going to be those that stand firm for it, prefigures the coming of Christ and the blessings that will be upon him. We see too, Obadiah reinforces these things as he speaks much later about Edom and what's been going on and he says there in verse 17 but upon Mount Zion shall be deliverance and there shall be holiness and the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions and the house of Jacob shall be as a fire and of the house of Joseph a flame and the house of Esau for stubble and they shall kindle in them and devour them and there shall not be any remaining of the house of Esau for the Lord has spoken it and they of the south shall possess the mount of Esau, and they of the plain the Philistines, and they shall possess the fields of Ephraim and the fields of Samaria, and Benjamin shall possess Gilead. So we see that ultimately uh, Edom, Esau, was defeated. Coming back to Jacob as a type, we see God's blessing upon him. We find this at Bethel. And we know that he lay down to sleep. And as he did so, we read that he dreamed and behold, a ladder set up on the earth. And the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God Ascending and descending on it. Very unusual there. Ascending and descending. From the earth to the heaven. And behold the Lord stood above it and said. I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father. And the God of Isaac. The land whereon thou liest to thee will I give it unto thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth. And thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee, and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land. For I will not leave thee, until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. As he says this, of course, God is renewing the covenant, the promise that he gave to Abraham, way back in chapter 12, and it's perhaps significant that it was near here, having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east, that there Abraham builded, or Abraham builded an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. It wasn't the first altar, it was the first time we read of him calling upon the name of the Lord. But again, as we think of this ladder uh, and the angels of God ascending and descending on it, Jesus 
speaks in a similar way to Nathaniel. And there at the end of John 1. Hereafter ye shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Jacob then remarkably prefigures what Christ's position will be. The fact that God continued to bless him is witnessed by uh, Laban as was Jacob wants to go and Laban said unto him I pray thee if I have found favour in thine eyes tarry for I have learned by experience that the Lord hath blessed me for thy sake we know of course that Laban was just as good at tricking people as Jacob was and uh, ultimately we find that the Lord said unto Jacob Return unto the land of thy fathers and to thy kindred, and I will be with thee. Then at the end of that uh, 31st chapter, we have that setting up of Mizpah. And Laban said to Jacob, Behold this heap, and behold this pillar which I have cast betwixt me and thee. This heap be witness, and this pillar be witness, that I will not pass over this heap to thee, and that thou shalt not pass over this heap and this pillar unto me for harm. The God of Abraham, and the God of Nahor, the God of their father, judge betwixt us. And Jacob swear by the fear of his father Isaac. Now, That verse seems very solemn to me. When was Jacob's conversion? We read in Hosea, we read earlier, that he found him in Bethel, and there he spake with us. And many would place that conversion on that occasion as he set up the... uh, the, the stone and saw that wonderful vision. But it seems to me very significant that we have him there swearing by the fear of Isaac. And at the end of chapter 28, the words are very solemn, really. Jacob awaked out of his sleep and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, how dreadful is this place? This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, the house of God. But the name of that city was called Luz at the first. And Jacob vowed a vow saying, if, if God will be with me, and will keep me in this way that I go, and keep me, and will give me bread to eat, and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house, and of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. 
Those are, are very solemn words. And if we look carefully at verse 4 in Hosea, the order, I think, is significant. Yea, he had power over the angel and prevailed. He wept and made supplication unto him. He found him in Bethel, and there he spake with us. And it seems to me that at, we're moving on a bit now, but in chapter 35 of Genesis, And God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there, and make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. And he built there an altar and called the place El Bethel, because there God appeared unto him when he fled from the face of his brother. We then find that God said unto him, Thy name is Jacob. Thy name shall not be called any more Jacob, but Israel shall be thy name. And he called his name Israel. And God said unto him, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall be of thee, and kings shall come out of thy loins. And the land which I gave Abraham and Isaac, to thee I will give it, and to thy seed after thee will I give the land. And God went up from him in the place where he talked from him. And Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he talked with him, even a pillar of stone. And he poured a drink offering thereon, and he poured oil thereon. And Jacob called the name of the place where God spake with him, Bethel. Of course, God there is renewing his covenant, but he is also renewing that change of name. That's already happened. But as he acknowledges the Lord, so it seems to me that the Lord blesses again and repeats these things. We might, in passing, note that the fact that God is blessing does not mean that everything is wonderful and goes smoothly. There are many, of course, that preach that if we follow him, there will be wealth and health and prosperity and everything else. Well, in between him building the altar, Deborah, Rebecca's nurse, died. And immediately after this renewal by God and the setting up again in verse 16 we read that they journeyed from Bethel and there was but a little way to come to Ephrath and Rachel travailed and she had hard labour. The place is Bethlehem. It's the first mention we have of Bethlehem and it's a time of birth but also of death. And of course it prefigures the much more wonderful birth that will come. But that was also solemnly accompanied by death. Well, we need to go back now to that power, that struggle with the angel. Verse 4 of Hosea, Yea, he had power over the angel and prevailed. He wept and made supplication 
unto him. That takes place in chapter 32. But beforehand we need to note that God appears in a remarkable way yet again. Jacob went on his way and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, this is the God's host. And he called the name of that place Mahanaim. We read frequently and we do in verse 5, the Lord God of hosts. But there Jacob is privileged again to see that host. It's later on that we read in verse 40, 24, that Jacob was left alone and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. On the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. That remarkable occurrence. By his strength, he had power with God. Yea, he had power over the angel and prevailed. However, although there was that uh, tremendous uh, standing and wrestling, it has been put to me that when we get to verse 25, after the thigh has been put out of joint, Jacob is hanging on to the angel, not out of strength, but out of weakness. And it reminds us that Paul says that when I am weak, then am I strong. We remember too that as he faced that agony of prayer, that there came an angel and strengthened the Lord Jesus Christ. The angel was needed to strengthen Jacob. At the end of his life, he, we're missing a great deal here, of course, in chapter 46, we find that Jacob is called to go down to Egypt. Joseph is already there, the rest of the family have come back and Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices unto the God of his father Isaac and God spake unto Israel in the visions of the night and said Jacob Jacob and he said here am I and he said I am God the God of thy father fear not to go down into Egypt for I will there make of thee a great nation 
I will go down with thee into Egypt, and I will also surely bring thee up again. And Joseph shall put his hand upon thine eyes. We find, don't we, out of Egypt have I called my son. And Christ too had to go down into Egypt and come back again. Just before we come to the end of this section though, we need to see that there are some solemn weaknesses in Jacob's character. We find, of course, and it's perhaps understandable to some extent, the difficulties that he was going through. But as he he's lost Joseph, Simeon is now in the prison in Egypt. The others want to take back Benjamin and he says, all these things are against me. We know that those that God has called, all things work together for good. And ultimately, of course, Jacob proved that. We see too that as they talk about it, his old tricks and schemes continue. They are to take uh, a present, a little balm, a little honey, spices and myrrh, nuts and almonds, and take double money um, to buy their way back into the favour of this strange Egyptian, who, of course, we know to have been Joseph. We see that too, don't we, In uh, as he goes to meet Esau, before that wrestling with the angels, he makes his plan, he divides up the company, everything is all sorted out, and then he goes to God. He contrasts that with the Lord. That battle of Gethsemane is there, but he is concerned to do the Lord's will. Thy will, not mine. But, as he finds that wonderful news that Joseph is alive, first of all, his heart faints, for he believed them not. And they told them all the words of Joseph, which he had said unto them. And when he saw the wagons which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob their father revived. And Israel said, It is enough. Joseph, my son, is yet alive. I will go and see him before I die. Surely there is a parallel there to the resurrection. This, my son, 
in the parable, Jesus says, this my son was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found. Well, that was certainly true of Joseph, literally. But at the resurrection of Christ, there were those that did not believe, could not believe, until eventually Christ appeared unto them. There is one other thing before that return or at that return to Bethel in chapter 35 of Genesis we read then Jacob said unto his household and to all that were with him put away the strange gods that were among you and be clean and change your garments and let us arise and go up to Bethel and I will make there an altar unto God who answered me in the day of my distress and was with me in the way which I went. And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand, and all their earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the oak which was by Shechem. We cannot bury sin. We cannot conceal sin and mull over it and hope to return to it. Now we don't ever read that they did return to it, but it seems that that was the idea, and to my way of thinking, that again it renews this, or confirms this idea that that was where Jacob truly started to look to the Lord. Well, <clears throat> coming back now, we've got him into Egypt, and there we read some very remarkable words. He is called to see Pharaoh. And Joseph brought in Jacob his father and set him before Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said unto Jacob, How old art thou? And Jacob said unto Pharaoh, The days of the years of my pilgrimage are an hundred and thirty years. Few and evil have been the days and years of my life been. And have not yet attained unto the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their pilgrimage. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from before Pharaoh. As far as the Egyptians were concerned, as far as Pharaoh was concerned, he was a god. Jacob, this old man, comes and he twice blesses Pharaoh. And as we are reminded in Hebrews, the lesser is blessed by the greater. Again, there is only one who can truly bless, and that is the Lord. The impact that Jacob had in Egypt is quite tremendous. We find when he died that Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father. And the physicians embalmed Israel and 40 days were fulfilled for him. For so are fulfilled the days of those which were embalmed. And the Egyptians mourned for him three score, years, three score and ten days. And when the days of his mourning were past, Jacob spake unto the house of Pharaoh, saying, if now I have found grace in your eyes, speak, I pray you, in the ears of Pharaoh, saying, My father made me swear, saying, Lo, I die. 
In my grave which I have digged for me in the land of Canaan, there shalt thou bury me. <coughs> and so that's what happened. <coughs> Joseph went up to bury his father, and with him went up all the servants of Pharaoh, the elders of his house, and all the elders of the land of Egypt, and to all the house of Joseph and his brethren, and his father's house, and their little ones and their flocks and their herds they left in the land of Goshen. And there went up with him both chariots and horsemen, and it was a very great company. <coughs> Indeed, we find in verse 11, when the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, saw the mourning in the floor of Atad, they said, this is a grievous mourning to the Egyptians. Wherefore, the name of it is called Abel Mizraim, which is beyond Jordan. And his sons did unto him, according as he commanded them. Abel Mizraim. Mizraim is the Hebrew for Egypt. It, it uh, is the only time we find it in our Bibles is back in that uh, table of nations. But Mizraim there is found. But as we think of this burial we think of the burial of our Lord. And as we think of that sorrow, we find those that smote their breasts as they saw these things that were done. And the centurion said, truly this is a righteous man, or elsewhere, this is the Son of God. The second section concerns the prophecies of Jacob. We find these as the blessings that he spake towards the end of his life. And we find them in Genesis 48 and 49. First of all, chapter 48. Came to pass after these things that one told Joseph, Behold, thy father is sick. And he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And one told Jacob, and said, Behold, thy son Joseph cometh unto thee. And Israel strengthened himself, and sat upon the bed. And Jacob said unto Joseph, God Almighty appeared unto me at Luz in the land of Canaan, and blessed me, and said unto me, Behold, I will make thee fruitful, and multiply thee, and I will make of thee a multitude of people, and I will give this land to thy seed after thee, for an everlasting possession. And now thy two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, which were born unto thee in the land of Egypt, before I came unto thee in, into Egypt, are mine. As Reuben and Simeon, they shall be mine. And thy issue, which thou begettest after them, shall be thine, and shall be called after the name of their brethren in their inheritance. This is a remarkable word. We only, on three occasions, and one of those is in the rather unusual list which we find in the book of Revelation, when Manasseh is also included, read of the tribe of Joseph. We read the rest of the time of the tribe of Ephraim 
and the tribe of Manasseh. And that is spoken of here directly by Jacob. Moving on to verse 15, we find he blessed Joseph and said, God, before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac did walk, the God which fed me all my life long unto this day, the angel which redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads, and let my name be named on them, and the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. Verse 21, And Israel said unto Joseph, Behold, I die, but God shall be with you, and bring you again unto the land of your fathers. <clears throat> so again, the blessings are renewed and placed. The angel which redeemed me, the angel in our Bibles is given a capital A, it's not just any messenger, but it's the one who redeems an angel cannot buy us back that he speaks of the son of God who should come there is of course the other remarkable thing about this occasion Joseph has brought his sons to see their grandfather and Jacob crosses his hands and puts the wrong hand, as it were, on the wrong head. And <clears throat> Joseph is upset by this and says, Not so, my father, for this is the firstborn. Put thy right hand upon his head. And his father refused and said, I know it, my son, I know it. He also shall become a people, and he also shall be great. But truly his younger brother shall be greater than he. And his seed shall become a multitude of nations. And he blessed them that day and said, In thee shall Israel bless, saying, God make thee as Ephraim and as Manasseh. And he set Ephraim before Manasseh. And that, of course, is the order in which we usually read of them through the scriptures, that precedence being set here by Jacob. Some years back, quite a few years back, we actually went through the blessing of Jacob to each of the sons. We're only going to look at two of those tonight. <clears throat> but first of all, and most significantly, the blessing of Judah. Chapter 49 and verse 8. Judah... Thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Judah, of course, means praise. And it is he is to be the greatest of the family. It is from that line that the kings are to come. Verse 10, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. <clears throat> the scepter, the power, it is 
most significant that as we come to the end of or the beginning of the New Testament the scepter has gone from the Jews the Roman Empire has taken over the Jews are not able to put Christ to death they have to go to Rome therefore he is crucified not stoned and indeed this is what Jacob is speaking of until Shiloh come Shiloh meaning peace the Prince of Peace comes at that time Shiloh of course was also the place of sacrifice when the children of Israel went to Canaan you remember that was where um, Samuel was there was the tabernacle Shiloh it is as the Messiah was sacrificed that that redemption of which Jacob has spoken took place And unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Take that as being a reference to them coming to Christ. It's to him, not to the place Shiloh, but to the Messiah. Binding his foal unto the vine and his ass's colt unto the choice vine. He washed his garments in wine and his clothes in the blood of grapes. His eyes shall be red with wine and his teeth white with milk. So you think of these things, surely it reminds us of what is popularly known as Palm Sunday, when Christ went on that ass's colt to Jerusalem, there to take part in the various events culminating in the Last Supper, the grapes, signifying his blood that was to take place, his death on the following day. Also, we've omitted verse 9. <clears throat> Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down, he couched as a lion, and as an old lion. Who shall rouse him up? The lion is, of course, a royal beast. And we have here a picture of Judah growing up. He starts off as a lion's whelp, a cub. Then he becomes a greater lion and then not so much an old lion as a mature lion, literally a lioness. Who shall rouse him up? None is able to stand before him. Nobody is going to attack this one. He is Lord of all. But that speaks very much, doesn't it, of one who is Lord of all. And as we think <clears throat> to those words where John looks to see the lion of the tribe of Judah. And there in Revelation 5, 
we find that he looked, and behold, a lamb, as it had been slain, the lion of the tribe of Judah, is the sacrificed Lord, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And so the throne, the cry goes up before the throne, those who are gathered around him. The voice of many angels, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and blessing. So it goes on. Judah's blessing before the throne, the throne of the King of Kings. But then we also want us to turn to Joseph's blessing. Verse 22 of Genesis 49. Joseph is a fruitful bough, even a fruitful bough by a well, whose branches run over the wall. We have here a, a picture, in a sense, that's replicated in Psalm 1. The righteous man is one whose roots are fed. It's surely significant that it's by Jacob's well in Sychar that Jesus speaks of giving the water of life, that water that will flow up forevermore. It's what we need, what we need to drink and to live with. But as we were saying uh, earlier, this uh, blessing doesn't come unalloyed, shall we say. The archers have sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him. There is much opposition, but they can only get to the branches that are over the wall. God is protecting him. The root is protected. And whilst we face persecution as those that are the Lord's children, there is a limit to what they can do. And again, we are warned of this, aren't we? Jesus says, if they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. Going back to Joseph. But his bow abode in strength. And the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From thence is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. What a title. The mighty God of Jacob. But it's from him comes the shepherd, the good shepherd. The one that giveth his life for the sheep. The stone of Israel. 
we read, don't we, of that stone. Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. And we know that's referred to many times in the New Testament as uh, speaking directly of Christ. But here it is in Jacob's words. Verse 25, even by the God of thy father who will help thee and by the Almighty who shall bless thee with the blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lieth under, blessings of the breasts and of the womb. The blessings of thy father have prevailed above the blessings of my progenitors unto the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. They shall be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him that was separate from his brethren. There is to be a separation of those that follow the Lord as there was with Joseph. <clears throat> and yet, ultimately, there will be a crown, a great blessing to all those who know the God of Abraham, of Isaac and of Jacob, to those who are redeemed. We move on now to the testimony of the other prophets, the third section. There is a problem here in that quite often it's not very clear whether they're speaking of the house of Jacob or Jacob himself. We will look at both of these things. However, it seems to me that there is a reason why there is a remembrance made of Jacob. It's the way that God dealt with him, God's grace unto him, and God sustaining him through the difficulties. And so these things are not irrelevant. <clears throat> Before we look too much into that, though, we have perhaps the strangest thing part of the confirmation because it comes from the very difficult prophet Balaam Balaam is looking over the children of Israel and as he speaks this is in Numbers chapter 23 and chapter 24 he says <coughs> From the tops of the rocks I see him, and from the hills I behold him. Lo, the people shall dwell alone, and shall not be reckoned among the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob, and the number of the fourth part of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous, and let my last end be like his. We've been reminded very many times that when we find the word nations in the word of God, it means the goyim, that's the, the Hebrew word, the Gentiles. What a remarkable testimony from Balaam. It's that separation that we've just been thinking about with Joseph, isn't it? They will not be reckoned among the Gentiles. This people are different. And therefore Balaam finds it impossible to curse them. 
God himself has testified to that as the children of Israel are coming out of uh, or have come out of Egypt and are coming up to Sinai in Exodus chapter 19 and we read there Moses went up unto God and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain saying thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians and how I bear you on eagles wings and brought you unto myself now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me, above all people, for all the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests, and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. A holy nation, again, one set apart, my peculiar people, God's own people, this people, are marked out. And Balaam continues, verse 19 of 23. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Behold, I have received commandment to bless, and he hath blessed, and I cannot reverse it. He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him, and the shout of a king is among them. Surely there is no enchantment against Jacob, neither is there any divination against Israel. According to this time it shall be said of Jacob and of Israel, What hath God wrought? Behold, the people shall rise up as a great lion, and lift up himself as a young lion. He shall not lie down until he eat of the prey, and drink of the blood of the slain. <clears throat> Two very remarkable things there. God has not beheld iniquity in Jacob. What sins there were in Jacob, what failings, God hath not beheld them. He is redeemed. Those sins are put away. And secondly, there is that repeat of that blessing to Judah which we've seen indeed that's repeated again in the following chapter in verse 5 how goodly are thy tents O Jacob and thy tabernacles O Israel as the valleys are they spread forth as gardens by the riverside as the trees of line aloes which the Lord hath planted and the cedar trees beside the waters it speaks it, it, it echoes that word of Joseph and then, as he carries on, God hath brought him forth out of Egypt. He hath, as it were, the strength of a unicorn. He shall eat up the nations, his enemies, and shall break their bones and pierce them through with his arrows. He couched, he lay down as a lion and as a great lion. Who shall stir him up? Blessed is he that blesseth thee, and cursed is he that curseth thee. That covenant blessing yet again. And then most remarkably, verse 17, I shall see him but not now, I shall behold him but not nigh, there shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab and destroy all the children of Seth. And Edom 
shall be a possession. Seir also shall be a possession for his enemies, and Israel shall do valiantly. Out of Jacob shall come he that shall have dominion, and shall destroy him that remaineth of the city. And again we see this blessing of the Lord coming. The Lord Jesus Christ out of Jacob, out of Judah. It's confirmed to us too, of course, as Moses comes to the end of his life. And having blessed the various tribes, he says in chapter 33 of Deuteronomy in 26, There is none like unto the God of Jeshurun, who rideth upon the heaven in thy help and in his excellency in the sky. The eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. And he shall thrust out the enemy from before thee, and shall say, Destroy them. Israel then shall dwell in safety alone. The fountain of Jacob shall be upon the land of corn and wine. Also his heavens shall drop down dew. Happy art thou, O Israel, who is like unto thee, O people, saved by the Lord, the shield of thy help. And who is the sword of thy excellency? And thine enemies shall be found liars unto thee, and thou shalt tread upon their high places. There are so many of these uh, very, very well-known texts, promises, which come in the context of being addressed to Jacob. It's as though it underlines, and, and, and we must... Here, pause and note that the blessings to Jacob are not different to the blessings of Israel. We cannot distinguish, we cannot separate curses and blessings to be on the church and on the Jews. They are all one. And as we look at these things, it reinforces for us the truth of that. Isaiah, as he speaks, confirms these things. Chapter 29, verse 22. Therefore thus saith the Lord who redeemed Abraham concerning the house of Jacob. Jacob shall not now be ashamed, neither shall his face now wax pale. But when he seeth his children, the work of mine hands in the midst of him, they shall sanctify my name. And sanctify the Holy One of Jacob, and shall fear the God of Israel. We note here that it's the Holy One of Jacob, and Jacob shall not be ashamed. Remember that Jesus speaks and reproves the the Sadducees and says that he is, God is, the God of Abraham, of Isaac and Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Isaiah 43 But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, Thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee.
For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Saviour. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee, since thou wast precious in my sight. <clears throat> thou hast been honourable, and I have loved thee. Therefore will I give men for thee, and people for thy life. A remarkable word to Jacob, to Israel, of God's grace and goodness. And it carries on in the following chapter. Yet now hear, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus saith the Lord that made thee and formed thee from the womb, which will help thee. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and thou Jesurin, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty, and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed, and my blessing upon thine offspring. And they shall spring up as among the grass, as willows by the watercourses. One shall say, I am the Lord's, and another shall call himself by the name of Jacob, and another shall subscribe with his hand unto the Lord, and surname himself by the name of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, and I am the last, and beside me there is no God. <coughs> the one who redeems. And note how there is that um, underlining again of Jacob's blessings. Who is this? Can be none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. The prophets then confirm Jacob's words. Secondly, we have, especially in the Psalms, repeatedly the expression, the God of Jacob. 24 verse 6, this is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob. God there identifies himself so much with Jacob personally that it's just Jacob. Who is this one? The earth is the Lord's. And the fullness thereof. And having spoken of this. We then move on. And we speak of. The, the psalmist speaks. David speaks of the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who is the king of glory. The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. He is a refuge. We have that repeated Refrain, don't we, in Psalm 46. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. He's our refuge and strength. A present help, a very present help in trouble. And that's echoed in Psalm 20. The Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. The name of the God of Jacob defend thee. Likewise, in Psalm 84, we start off in the tabernacles of the Lord. And we have then in verse 8. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear 
O God of Jacob. And again it marks a turning point in the psalm as we move on to see the Lord God as a sun and shield, just as he had been with Jacob so long before. Why are we to call upon God in such a way? Because he is the God that acts as he hears. Psalm 76 verse 6 At thy rebuke, O God of Jacob, both the chariot and horse are cast into a deep sleep. Thou, even thou art to be feared, and who may stand in thy sight when once thou art angry? Thou didst cause Judgment to be heard from heaven, the earth feared, and was still when God arose to judgment to save all the meek of the earth. And a sort of parallel passage in Psalm 114, verses 7 to 8. Tremble thou earth at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, which turned the rock into a standing water, the flint, into a fountains into a fountain of waters again echoing that blessing what therefore are we to do psalm 75 verse 9 i will declare forever i will sing praises to the god of jacob psalm 81 sing aloud unto god our strength Make a joyful noise unto the God of Jacob. Take a psalm and bring hither the timbrel, the pleasant harp with the psaltery. Blow up the trumpet in the new moon, in the time appointed on our solemn feast day. For this was a statute for Israel, and a law of the God of Jacob. David, in his affliction, vows to God to the mighty God of Jacob and says in Psalm 132 Surely I will not come into the tabernacle of my house nor go up into my bed I will not give sleep to mine eyes nor slumber to mine eyelids until I find out a place for the Lord and habitation for the mighty God of Jacob and of course he goes on to indeed build that house we have David's affliction there and we have Jacob's trouble mentioned by Jeremiah chapter 30 alas for that day is great so that none is like it it is even the time of Jacob's trouble but he shall be saved out of it for it shall come to pass in that day saith the Lord of hosts that I will break his yoke off from off thy neck and will burst thy bands and strangers shall no more serve themselves of him but they shall serve the Lord their God and David their king, whom I will raise up unto them. And then in the following chapter, similar words. For thus saith the Lord, sing with gladness for Jacob and shout among the chief of the nations. Publish ye, praise ye and say, O Lord, save thy people, the remnant of Israel. Behold, I will bring them from the north country and gather them from the coasts of the earth. And with them the blind and lame, the woman with child, and her that travaileth with child together, a great company, shall return thither. That's paralleled also in chapter 
46. A third section of this book um, of the prophets comes from Malachi. It's the burden of the word of the Lord to Israel. And he says, I have loved you, saith the Lord. Yet ye say, wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord? Yet I loved Jacob, and I hated Esau, and laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. It's a very solemn and amazing words to read. Um, and we find that this is an ongoing thing, of course. In the third chapter we read, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. God is faithful to his covenant, he is faithful to his word. As Paul speaks of these things in Romans, he underlines it, and we shall read from Romans chapter 9. Not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac, for the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. It was said unto her, The elder shall serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on him I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. Joseph Irons, a much neglected hymn writer, set these things out in a hymn, as I only know it in our book, the selection of hymns by James Wells. I shall read it in full. The God of heaven maintains his universal throne. In heaven and earth and hell he reigns and makes his wonders known. His counsels and decrees firmer than mountains stand. He will perform whate'er he please, and none can stay his hand. All worlds his will controls, and his eternal mind fixes the destiny of souls. Takes this, leaves that behind. Jacob by grace he saved, nor gives a reason why. But Esau's heart he left depraved, and who shall dare reply? Who shall resist his will, or say, What doest thou? Jehovah is a sovereign still, and all to him must bow. Then let my soul adore my God in all his ways. His sovereignty I can't explore, but I will trust his grace. Finally and in conclusion, we have God's description of Jacob in the prophets. Jacob bought a parcel of land at Shechem. And I'm going to use the letters of Shechem just as a, an aid memoir of these things, although we will deal with 
S at the end, which is, of course, Saviour. So, Saviour, H, help. In Psalm 146 and verse 5, we find, Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. We've already seen Moses in Deuteronomy refer to the excellency of Jacob. And in Psalm 47, he shall choose our inheritance for us, the excellency of Jacob, whom he loved. He was chosen, Psalm 145. Seek the Lord and his strength, Seek his face evermore. Remember his marvellous works which he hath done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. O ye seed of Abraham his servant, ye children of Jacob his chosen. That of course could be either, but as we come to verse 23, Israel also came into Egypt and Jacob sojourned in the land of Ham. He's increased his people greatly and made them stronger than their enemies. So that is a very definitely a personal reference. Whilst we're in 105, we shall just note verses 8 onwards. He hath remembered his covenant forever, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations, which covenant he made with Abraham and his oath unto Isaac, and confirmed the same unto Jacob for a law, and to Israel for an everlasting covenant, saying, Unto thee will I give the land of Canaan, the lot of your inheritance, when they were but a few men in number, yea, very few, and strangers in it. Heritage. We move here to Isaiah chapter 58 and in verses 13 and 14 if thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath from doing thy pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight the holy of the Lord honourable and shalt honour him not doing thine own ways nor finding thine own pleasure nor speaking thine own words then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. Then the following chapter 20. And the Redeemer shall come to Zion and unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob, saith the Lord. As for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord, my spirit that is upon thee and my words which I have put in thy mouth, shall not depart out of thy mouth, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, nor out of the mouth of thy seed's seed, saith the Lord, from henceforth and for ever. Ezekiel also speaks in a similar vein. 28 verse 25, Thus saith the Lord God, 
when I shall have gathered the house of Israel from the people among whom they are scattered, and shall be sanctified in them in the height of the heathen, in the sight of the heathen, then shall they dwell in their land that I have given to my servant Jacob, and they shall dwell safely therein, and shall build houses and plant vineyards. Yea, they shall dwell with confidence when I have executed judgments upon all those that despise them round about them, and they shall know that I am the Lord their God. And the end of Ezekiel 37 speaks again in similar terms of the children of Israel being gathered under David to walk in his ways and they will dwell in the land that I have given unto Jacob my servant. Moreover I will make a covenant of peace with them It shall be an everlasting covenant with them, and I will place them and multiply them, and will set my sanctuary in the midst of them for evermore. We have there, we've already seen it in Psalm 105, that reference to the everlasting covenant. And in Isaiah 49, God speaks of that again. Verse 5, And now saith the Lord, that formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob again to him. Though Israel be not gathered, yet shall I be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. It's very wonderful here that very clearly um, this is being testified to of Isaiah, and yet as we move on, we find that it's the words that are applied to the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 8, Thus saith the Lord, In an acceptable time have I heard thee, and in a day of salvation have I helped thee, and I will preserve thee, and give thee for a covenant of the people to establish the earth, to cause the in, to cause to inherit the desolate heritages. And goes on to speak of them him leading into their pastures and freeing the prisoners and so many things. Jacob described him as the mighty one of Jacob. And in the end of the chapter, God says, I will feed them that oppress thee with their own flesh, and they shall be drunken with their own blood, as with sweet wine. And all flesh shall know that I, the Lord, am thy saviour, and thy Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. The Mighty One. Jacob's help, excellency, chosen, heritage, everlasting covenant, the Mighty One of Jacob. But there, the Saviour and Redeemer. Those words are repeated again in Isaiah 60 and verse 16. It starts, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. And again is very clearly speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it leads us up into his glory and his kingdom. Isaiah 65, 
verse 9. And I will bring forth a seed out of Jacob, and out of Judah, an inheritor of my mountains, and mine elect shall inherit it, and my servant shall dwell there. Where is this? For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. But be ye glad and rejoice for ever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem, a rejoicing, and her people, a joy. And finally, Micah speaks in a very similar vein. But in the last days it shall come to pass that the mountains of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains and it shall be exalted above the hills and people shall flow unto it. And many nations shall come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For the law shall go forth of Zion, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. The testimony of Jacob. His life, his whole life, speaks of the dealings of God in extraordinary ways. The prophecies which he makes, those blessings, are taken up again and again throughout the word. And God testifies of him in so many ways. He calls himself the God of Jacob, his saviour and redeemer, his help, his excellency, his chosen one, his heritage. His everlasting covenant, the mighty one of Jacob. May we know and trust this great God and know for ourselves the Redeemer, the one on whom the angels of God ascended and descended. Amen.